code. What's he spelling? F, okay? U. F U? That's his message? F U? This is how your kids talk? E. Oh, okay, that changes everything. L. Fuel. They're fuel. Yeah, they got fuel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if we had just waited a couple hours, we wouldn't be here. Great. Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Lost in Space. Today we'll be covering the 10th and final episode from Lost in Space titled Danger Will Robinson. Very apropos for this uh, this episode, I think. But before we jump into our top five in discussion for the finale this week, a word from this week's sponsor, BZRK Audio. Uh, BZRK Audio has been with us all through the whole journey through space, and we're going to mention them again. So they are a company that has some great audio tweeters that you can upgrade your stock speakers with. These will help extend the mid-range response and adds clarity and detail to voice, string, horns, and more. These are very reasonably priced, and they're very easy to install. All you have to do is go to bzrkaudio.com. You can search on Amazon or eBay for BZRK Audio and pick up yourself a pair of these BZRK Audio tweeters. And remember, when you go BZRK Audio, you go berserk. Go berserk. Thanks, BZRK Audio. Yeah, Definitely check check those out. Um, adds clarity and detail to voices. We'll sound even better, won't we? Yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys very much for taking this trip through space with us. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right. Well, with that being said, I'm really excited to start talking about the finale. We're finally here. Um, I don't know if 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 it seemed like a short or long journey, but I'm ready to talk about the finale. So how about, Sean, you get us started with your number five for the finale this All week. right. So my number five, we've, we've had this come up a few times, but we really got a bunch of this in this episode. It's kind of like the conflict of the week. <laughs> um, you know, we had this happen in multiple episodes. Every episode seemed like it had some big conflict that they had to come across. And Definitely. this episode did not have a, a lacking of these conflicts. So a few I jotted down um, as they were floating through space trying to figure out you had the anti-fog agent. <laughs> so conveniently flaking yeah, off. <laughs> flaking off and getting into our guy's eye. <laughs> Uh, we see the volcano, which was kind of a, a little conflict. Like they didn't really talk about that much. It just kind of happened, and and mm-hmm. didn't like that. Seemed like that could have been a basis of the whole episode. And it was just kind of a small touch point. Yeah, we've got the. It seemed like the glass in this episode had a very like easy time of cracking. Yeah. Uh, these masks that they wear and the, the one rover, like these are things that are supposed to keep them safe from the elements, keep them alive in space. And it seems like just getting knocked around a little bit cracked this glass super easy. Always at the wrong time, too. Not very convenient whatsoever. Nope. Uh, and the last one, um, we're kind of tied to the harpoon. So they're, they're trying to get close. And I kind of touched a little bit bigger, but these are kind of things that st- stood out in this episode. Mm-hmm. As they're getting closer to uh, John... And them in the in the space, they shoot the harpoon, and of course, what happens? It just is too short. You know, it just doesn't quite make it. Yep, it's like uh, almost just about there. And it's like, I could jump for it. It's like no, you can't. <laughs> uh, but it very much had like 
every episode in this, and it felt like, you know, like you have a 20 episode, like I'm sure the original seasons were like 20 episodes long. I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure, but mm-hmm. it has that feel of those shows where there's like a, a monster of the week. There's a conflict of the week. And I kind of feel like this show didn't really do a great job of balancing back and forth between, well, am I a long episodic narrative or am I a, you know, monster of the week type of show? Yeah. And it seemed like it bounced back and forth between what it wanted to do. Uh, still good, still interesting and everything, but I felt like the the conflict of the weeks kind of felt like, okay, let's put them in a situation and let's do something with that. Uh, you know, we had them sinking in the, the tar pits. Uh, yeah. You know, we had the monster that showed up randomly, uh, running out of gas, and, you know, all kinds of little things that it didn't seem like there was a big overarching problem besides getting off the planet mm-hmm. that kind of tied everything together. kind of felt like each episode was way, way independent. Um, but yet they tried to make one big cohesive story. Um, I think of shows like Supernatural. Supernatural, I think, does it really well where you've got 20 plus episodes and they sprinkle a, a big long narrative throughout the season, but you have standalone episodes, which truly are kind of standalone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like Lost in Space tried to do that, but I don't know if they quite nailed it uh, in this first season. Well, still good. I'm still interested for a second season. Yes. Uh, but just didn't, I felt like it was kind of like the harpoon was almost there, but <laughs> just not quite. Didn't quite reach its mark. Yeah. <laughs> didn't hit the target. I agree. And I think we've talked about that, especially the last couple of episodes where I think there were some missteps, um, in, in some of the episodes where it, you know, they, they, sometimes they did a really good job when they would present that problem that needed to be overcome. You know, what, what new problem do we have this week? You know, um, and in this episode, and sometimes there was more than one, sometimes there was two or three things that had to be figured out and problems that, that needed to be taken care of. Um, in some episodes, I think they did a really good job and others, I think that it was kind of a a miss, you know, there Mm. were some, I always enjoyed Maureen and I've talked about it in another episode where I do like where she figures stuff out. Cause I, I really think she's really smart and I think they did a really great job of developing her character you know she's smart she's strong um, she's a little flawed she's not perfect you know she doesn't always make the right uh, the right decisions but she's smart and I always enjoy watching her figure stuff out yeah because um, I think she is really smart and I enjoy seeing that and seeing a, a, a strong strong smart female um, in, a, in, a, in a role so I, I do enjoy that but yeah there was a couple of missteps and, and I, I do agree this episode wasn't the worst you know, as far as no. the finale and some of the little things that kind of came up, but I, you know, I do agree. And I do think I'm a little forgiving because it's in its first, first season. And to me, in my experience with all the TV and I've watched a lot of TV people, um, <laughs> <laughs> I have since I was little and I continue to this day. Um, and I feel like, you know, um, there's a lot of shows that turn out to be really great when they're when they're over that you kind of look back at the first season you're like you know no one always has that really great first season so many shows have those missteps and they they learn from it they take feedback or things that they've you know heard or they regroup and they're like okay here's what didn't work here's what did and they kind of you know then you look at seasons two and three and you can see how they've taken that and improved so I think it was you know for a, a new show I think it you know, there were some really great things and I think there's some things that they can improve on. So I'm willing to be, you know, kind of forgiving and give them some hope for season two that they're going to come around. Yeah. I think that's what Netflix is really cool with. Cause I mean, if this was a network TV show, I mean, it's, it got, I think fair amount of reviews, but mm-hmm. you know, it has the feel of a show that like you said, two, three, like they're kind of hitting their stride now. Like I think they've got the the dynamic figured out. They've got 
kind of they'll figure out what works, what doesn't work, and even now, like they're kind of able to do more things with how the end of this episode happened, like the mm-hmm. end of this first season. Um, but yeah, I kind of think yeah, I think this is definitely something they can build off of and, and do a good job. And if they were on like network television, I could see it potentially being like, oh yeah, well we're gonna cancel it because it's not getting all the accolades that we wanted. Right. Netflix lets lets the the show grow. Exactly. Yeah. Netflix definitely lets people kind of grow and learn from their mistakes. And um, so, yeah, I think and I think that sometimes we have so many high expectations of shows Mm. right out the gate. I mean, you know, you think of some shows who have really great, you know, uh, first seasons like Orange is the New Black or Breaking Bad, or, you know, there's so many shows out there that have that first season, they just knock it out of the park. And it's it's tough to hold all shows by certain standards, because not everybody knocks it out of the park. There's plenty of shows that weren't so great in the first season. Uh, you know, Parks and Rec, that's one. I think that season was not the best. There were some funny moments, um, but then uh, really got better in the second season, and then just kept getting better and better every season after that. So, you know, there's some really great shows out there whose first seasons were, you know, stinker. And I'm not calling this a stinker; it just wasn't something that blew me out of the water or anything. But it's it's one that know. like the takeoff of it, like episode one and two, like really really had me engaged. Mm-hmm. But and we talked about it before, like maybe if it was cut to eight episodes. Um, and, and plus, I, like I think there might have just been like I don't think they know what they wanted to quite do with it yet. Like it's like okay, are, right. we, are we lost in space? Just a redo? Or are we completely reimagining it? Like what what are we trying to do with this? And you know, this isn't something that they probably like. Netflix is like, oh well, here's a bunch of money. Take three years to develop, you know, a TV series. Like hey, let's get this going. Let's get this out there in a year. We'll figure it out. We'll regroup and kind of then come out with season two later. You know, right. kind of like get quick iterations, quick things out. Throw it out there, see how it works, then move on. Because um, yep. each season you can change it and, and do something different. I agree. And I'm with you. I think instead of 10 episodes this season, they could have easily done maybe eight or nine or something and, and kind of maybe made it just a little bit more efficient, tightened up the storytelling mm-hmm. just a little bit, and it probably would have been just a little bit better. But that's okay. Maybe they'll take some of that, and like I said, maybe they'll, you know, okay, let's regroup, let's see what worked, what didn't. And just improve upon it. And I've heard other, like, I think some of the Marvel shows they talk about on Netflix that they're a little too long. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's just Netflix's, because, I mean, to make a TV series, I'm sure, is pretty expensive. So maybe going from eight to ten episodes really isn't that more expensive. So they do that just to kind of cost justify doing the whole thing. I I don't know that for sure, but that's kind of the gist I've got when I've heard other shows be like, oh, yeah, we're going to do eight, we're going to do ten episodes. And, like, I think uh, Luke Cage might have been one. Okay. Where it's like, oh, if they just did eight, eight episodes, it would have been a lot better. Or Defenders, I think Defenders was one in that case too. Mm-hmm. Like I said, way too many TV shows. I haven't even seen any of those yet. So, <laughs> I know. way too much. Netflix has got so much going on. Lots of great content out there. That's for sure to choose from. Yeah, I don't know. I know Lost in Space, and I don't know their exact budget, but, but they clearly had a big one. I think they really threw a lot of money at this one because they had some great CGI. You know, some great space. You know, stuff. You know, and then because it looked pretty real. You know, when they're out in orbit and out in space and stuff, it looks pretty real. It doesn't look too, you know, goofy or anything like that. It looks pretty real. I believe it. And then like with some of the CGI stuff on the planet um, with the, you know, planet getting hot and that volcano looked pretty cool. Um, So they had a pretty good budget. So it shows that they definitely had faith in them. So I don't know. I am excited for season two, though. So good number five. Yep. So what do you have for your number five? 
Well, it touches on a little bit of what you mentioned. I'll just expand on it a little bit. And my number five is should have went left. And that is <laughs> more specifically about um, Don West and John that we, we found out the last episode that they were alive, but now we kind of see, okay, so they're alive, but where are they? And so we see that they're, you know, they're floating out there on some piece of the Jupiter, which seemed a little hard to believe. There's really a couple times you really have to kind of, you know, suspend your disbelief just a little bit. Um, You know, they just seem to be conveniently hanging on to this one piece of the Jupiter. It's like the whole thing must have exploded or blew up. Something happened, but they're in this one piece where they can at least kind of, you know, they don't have any kind of power, can't do too much, but they can hang on to it and just orbit around the planet. He said one line. It was like, you can't eject a man into outer space without his permission to John. (laughs) And so I don't, like, I I guess I kind of didn't even think about the piece they're on. I thought like maybe they ejected. That's a good point. It's kind of like an open, you know, porch or whatever that they're floating in space on. I know. How did they get there? How did it just, how did it blow up but they survived, you know? And I mean, maybe we don't need to know that, but it just seemed a little... I don't know. Didn't kind of come together for me, so it was a little bit weird. Um, I, I just a couple points about that. I liked whenever Will was messaging John, <laughs> yeah. and it, before he can even finish spelling out fuel, you know, he says F U, and there's a long <laughs> pause, like that's it. And he's like F U, <laughs> your kid's sitting at F U. <laughs> just what are you teaching those kids, John? <laughs> I laughed out loud at that. That's a moment I don't. You know, I'm I'm a hard person to make laugh out loud when y- when I watch TV shows. I'm a hard critic and cynic when it comes to shows, even funny comedies and things. So if I laugh out loud, you know, that's for me anyway, high praise because um, I don't always laugh out loud at things. I'll laugh more internally. So I did laugh at that. I thought that was really funny, a funny little moment. Um, and one thing that did kind of bug bug me just a little bit about Don this um, particular um, time that we were spending with them in orbit was, you know, they learned that they had a solution to the fuel and much to Don's displeasure, since he didn't feel that they even needed to do the launch, he just keeps going on about it. Oh, and, yeah. Like if we waited two more hours kind of thing. Yeah. Like he just, he can't let it go. And I'm like, dude, you can't go back. You know, yeah. you, you're, this is done. You're out here. You're floating in space. Let's stop nitpicking about how you don't want to be there you if we'd waited two hours there would have been fuel um i'm like let's just deal with the situation at hand and let's find a way to get back or you know let's be productive here and quit whining about it basically so that kind of nitpick you know just kind of annoyed me a little bit but that's okay i still like him i can see that because don's kind of like i think he uses sarcasm just as kind of more of a like over sarcasm kind of joking but in this instance like he was hit nodded way too much that this sarcasm wasn't meant to be the lighthearted break up the moment it was like hey dude seriously if we just waited two flipping hours but no we had to go now and yeah. look at what happened yeah exactly it just it just bugged a little bit like i said i'm i'm typically okay with his level of sarcasm because i don't know i might at times be slightly sarcastic or some people might say <laughs> that but um no. so, i don't know where they get that really but um so, I mean, I can always appreciate someone else's sarcasm, but I was just like, it, it was kind of going into uh, venturing from sarcasm into complaining. And complaining, yeah. I really dislike. I don't like complainers. So, even though I probably do that a lot too, don't write me and tell me that. That's okay. I already know. Um, but it bothers me. So, but but I, I did like that whole thing anyway. And that's just something I kind of wanted to point out that we do at least kind of figure that out. And it was kind of nice to see them come back and, and come back and everyone 
uh, was back together. So it's my number five. I like it. Yeah, there's a lot of good comedic moments while those two are floating around, and mm-hmm. um, I really kind of dug that a little bit. Yep. Um, so my, my first two of my five are kind of a little negative on this episode. The other ones are That's good. That's okay. That's okay. Um, but my number four was kind of Will's pity party he was giving himself. Yeah. Um. So this was the point where he – what was he doing? He's basically going through this whole thing of like, you know, how he shouldn't have saved the robot. And his mom made a good point. It's like, well, you know, by you getting, saving the robot that saved Judy. And he's like, well, yeah, but that was my fault because I failed to jump in. If I would have jumped in and kind of almost like what you're saying with Don, it's kind of a, if I would have, or, you know, if I could, you know, just waited two hours. The only thing that I kind of disliked about this, and it really kind of felt like, okay, we've got all these outstanding storylines. We've got to tidy up. So we'll mm-hmm. use this scene for Will to figure out, like, oh, wait a second. I failed the test, didn't I, Mom? Yeah. And I kind of felt like he – I know Will's smart, and I'm sure he probably could have figured that out at some point, but it felt a little too easy. I yeah. mean, I think I think it's pretty difficult for a kid to jump to the conclusion – or anybody really to jump to the conclusion to be like, oh, I failed a test that the only two people I know of know that, my mom and whoever changed the test – Right. And for him to kind of like figure that out, I I could be maybe not giving him enough credit, but it felt like it was just kind of like, oh, let's touch. And they didn't really touch on it much more after that. I mean, I guess Mm -hmm. it was kind of at the end, he's like, oh, well, now I have to be brave because I have to prove myself. So it kind of tied in towards the end there. But it seemed like that was a pretty big piece of this season that they built a lot on that kind of fizzled out. They did because they they hit on it in so many episodes and and we were left wondering so many times because they would just show us bits and pieces, you know, Mm -hmm. each, you know, on not every episode, but sprinkled throughout the episodes, you know, um, Maureen was, you know, it looked like she was handing something over in exchange for someone changing Will's test results. So we got that little sprinkling and then we get more throughout. We actually then more recently got to see Will during that stress test and how he didn't make it. And, you know, his mom's like, you know, don't worry, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take care of you. I'll protect you. That's my job. And, you know, we get that whole thing. So I agree. I don't think I really like how that came out either. I I don't think it was a surprise. I think we were probably going to learn or we were going to see Will learn that he didn't, that it was like truly acknowledged because he's been saying like the whole time, like, well, I just don't feel like I belong here. I just, I know that you say that I've you know, that I belong here. I've passed all these tests, but I don't feel like I belong. He's never felt good enough. He hasn't felt as smart enough as the rest of his family, but clearly he is a clever little boy. He is very smart. Um, so I think we knew that it was probably going to happen eventually that he was going to find out. And I agree. I just, I don't really like how it came about. I just don't think it was done as well, but. And I worry that's one of the things that like that could have very much been a big topic in, um, season two. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of worried now that they've kind of, tidied that storyline up that it's just going to kind of drift away because we don't know really what she gave up at least i don't i don't remember her saying specifically what she had to give up for him right um you know like there's so many storylines you could go with that like you know maybe she actually did know that alien technology is being used and she gave over some plans she had that she knew would do something or whatever mm-hmm. you know, like you could play a whole big conspiracy theory that she's the center of or um, just so many things, but again, it's like, okay, well that's out. So what's season two going to be about? None of that stuff. Maybe it will, instead of, you know, during the season we had so much of Will feeling like he didn't belong and trying to, you know, constantly 
prove himself. And in this episode, I did like it, you know, that he did seem to gain some confidence that, you know, he's like, well, I have to be the one to go do this. And he did it and he was successful in, in, you know, closing that hatch door and stuff. So I do like that part, at least that he got a little bit of redemption and he did, you know, so maybe season two will be more about like, he does feel like he's a part, like he did super will super will. Yeah. (laughs) He like, he's earned his spot you know, with the family that he feels he, he actually does belong there because even if he failed that test, he was still able to go do this task, um, that only he could do at the time and, and be brave for it and actually do it. Even when his mom's in there telling, telling him that she's like, no, you can't, you know, it's just something that like, you're just not capable of doing. Yeah. And that he was able to That's do it. That's a good point. So. Yeah. Kind of overprotecting just as a mom, but even knowing that he's failed tests, so she's even overprotecting even more. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good point. That's so. kind of interesting. She's like that. I don't know if it's with your youngest. I've only got one. And like, I just took him to the pool and I'm constantly like watching him and like making sure he doesn't slip and fall. Yep. And you always reassure yourself because the one time you're not holding their hand, they fall down and hurt themselves. You're like, oh, why wasn't I holding your hand? I feel like an awful parent. I know. Like the, the, you, you like the 20 times you take him 19 out of those 20 times you're right there with him and you've got him and then that one time you yeah. know they make a little bump or boo-boo or something or something happens and you're like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah and they bonk their head you're like oh my god now he's not gonna be do they'd be able to do math isn't he i know it's all it's- my fault <laughs> yeah so uh another i didn't mention this in the conflict of the week but you know him having to go outside the space station to pump the thing to shut the the bridge or whatever uh-huh that was kind of another like well i mean these things are like billion dollar spaceships like couldn't they have one on the outside and the inside i yeah right why <laughs> god that's a good point i didn't even think of that why did they have to go outside was it why wasn't there a safety yeah. mechanism on the I mean, inside these space things are supposed to have like triple redundancies or whatever like this one only had like the only way to do this is to float out and yeah. pump the thing and and to not have any you know, I think it's kind of silly because even today when, you know, they're out in the space shuttles or they're outside of the um, International Space Station and such, you're hooked to something. You know, you yeah. have a belt and you're hooked to something on the space station. So that way, if you do get bumped, you lose your footing, whatever it is that happens, that it's not like gravity and you're just completely lost in space somewhere floating yeah. around. You know, well, you have a- something to keep you tethered. I would imagine they probably even have like double or triple like tetherings just in case, like one breaks or one rips or something. Man, that- you could not have enough tethers for me. There is, <laughs> there would be no limit. I'd be That's like a right. spider web of tethers. There is there no way I'd want to be floating through space. And like, could you imagine if you were spinning? No. Like, yeah. Like, no. if you're going to throw up in that thing, you're going to have more stuff to worry about. No, that just, to me, that just sounds horrible. When you watch those space movies and you see those, the, the you know, and whether it's a real life event or something, um, or just, you know, a made for, you know, dramatic reasons and it's all fiction in movies, when someone, you know, gets flung off into space and, and th- th- no. No, yeah. it just sounds absolutely horrible. Um, like, what yeah. a horrible way to go. So, no, that not that I'm actually qualified to get into space um, or that that's ever going to happen unless Elon Musk calls me up and, (laughs) hey, let's take that trip. I was meaning to tell you, Rima, we got a tweet and we're going to be the first (laughs) podcast in space. SpaceX. (laughs) We're going to go up into SpaceX and we're going to (laughs) orbit. I just imagine it's just going to be me and you going, ah! (laughs) 
guess we'll be spinning and spinning. We're, uh, just that zero gravity. Or else we're just going to be giggling uh, uncontrollably or something silly, um, I'm sure. That would be cool. First podcast in space. All right. 2019 goals. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I, I was thinking that. I'm like, okay, so... Oh, good, brave will venturing outside this, you know, the thing. I just don't understand that. Because, like, even today, and this is supposed to be way advanced technology, why isn't that boy tethered to something? He mm. should have at least, even if he's not tethered from the inside, he can buckle himself, you know, like have some sort of belt and hook it to those, like, little step step things, you know, that he yeah. was climbing on. You know, something there to keep him attached to the darn ship because it's so easy to you know, lose your, lose your, uh, footing or get bumped by something. And like what happened, he starts floating away. And of course he was rescued and all was, all was good, but still that, that was kind of annoying. So I thought, come on, I would not send my child outside of a spaceship without making sure that they were latched onto something. Yeah. And it didn't seem like it was like, oh, we have to do this in like the next 10 seconds or we'll explode. It was like, I have to do this, mom. He's like walking and stops and is like, well, yeah, he could have stopped the, like he had the long dramatic where he stops and look at his mm-hmm. mom. Like that, that, at that point he could have tethered himself. Yes. Like mom, safety first. Remember what you taught me. Click. Don't worry. Exactly. Exactly. Just like the kids at the, at Disney or whatever. And they're all on their little <laughs> leashes and stuff, yeah. you know? <laughs> I don't know if that happens at Disney, but I've seen it at some parks. But anyway, that was a little nitpick of mine about that scene. But yeah, my number four is just kind of that Will's pity party. So uh, what uh, what do you have for your number four? My number four was, it's kind of short, because, uh, but I, I wanted to mention it because I am a Maureen fan. And that was her little trick that she pulled by tricking the robot and... Whenever that she uh, was on her little uh, fake out suicide mission to reenter mm. the atmosphere and purposely doing it inaccurately to get the robot to uh, grab Dr. Smith and take her into the hub, which, as we learned earlier, was the safest place on the ship. Um, and she used it to trap them so that way she could get her out of the way. Um, and do what needed to be done because she knew that she was not going to allow or Dr. Smith was not going to allow them to go ahead and save John that she was so worried about getting back to the resolute. She had to get rid of him. Right. So I like that. I like how I thought that was kind of clever. Um, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of things to, to nitpick about it, but I did kind of like it. I, you know, I, I, it would be pretty hard to believe, even though Maureen was trying to convince her, like, you know, we're the, you know, we're Robinsons. We um, die together or live together. However, she stated that. I don't remember her exact line. Was um, it Robinsons live together or die together? Yeah. I think so. Together, yeah. I didn't, like yeah, I didn't get that one down. But, um, but I, I liked it. I think, I think it was slightly cheesy that she said that and to think that she would actually like commit suicide with her <laughs> children on board. However, she kind of did what she needed to do to get the robot to act because she knew that was the only way that that was going to happen. So, you know, I thought that was pretty clever. I do also like the idea of the hub itself as she was talking about it. Um, whenever she had went back after the robot did trap, trap them or when the robot had put them in there and then she traps them in there, then she mm-hmm. goes and she taps on the glass and, you know, she's telling them, she says it was designed to survive an asteroid collision. It was designed to withstand solar flares. It was designed to repel temperatures that dropped to absolute zero. And do you know who designed it? Me. So don't expect to get out anytime soon. <laughs> I was like, 
Maureen, you're a badass. <laughs> oh, so I like that um, little piece in, in the finale. It's just a small little thing, but something that I kind of liked. Um, what did you think about that particular part? I liked part? it too. Uh, I thought it was clever. Um, and then I had a little bit of me that kind of thought maybe the robot like was playing along with Dr. Mm-hmm. Smith, um, which quickly you kind of figure out, no, that's not the case. But I like that Dr. Smith, because I think this proves that Dr. Smith just isn't a con artist. She's actually got some smarts because she started breaking down. like, okay, I'm going to use my muscle and have this robot break through this glass. Mm-hmm. And quickly she sees that it's going to take a long time for that to happen. So she lets her mind do some work and figures out, oh, Maureen designed this, and she did not design a death trap for her family. Right. And that's where she figures out where the plans are, and she figures out a way for the, her and the robot to get out. Yeah. Uh, which, again, kind of came at the right convenient moment as they're shooting the harpoon. Which Of course. Know, that's just how TV shows are. <laughs> um, but I like that she was able to deduct that that's what was happening and figure out a way to get out. Yeah, she wasn't just sitting there, you know, trying to leave it all to the robot. And and we've seen that she's really resourceful, Dr. Smith. You know, she put on the roost for so long that she's a psychologist, you know, and clearly she's probably visited lots of psychologists in her lifetime that she can probably, yeah, probably wing it a little bit. But I think she did a pretty good job with some of the language and some how you would expect a psychologist to kind of talk. And she, you could see her reading up on some, you know, psychology books and it can be legitimized because she's like, Oh, I'm just reading up on some work stuff, you know? Oh, and yeah, yeah. So it wouldn't be questioned. Why are you reading these psychology type books or something and reading about these these types of things um so so she could completely play it off so she's very resourceful in her manipulation and stories that she can tell and and how she can weave those truths into lies and manipulate and tell stories to people and get them to believe what she wants she managed to get the robot put back together and bring Mm -hmm. him over to her side and now here she is, she's like, she she starts to think, like you said, Maureen would not design a place for her children if they didn't have a way out. Because if disaster did happen and they're stuck in this hub, there has to be a way out. So I, I really kind of thought, oh, you know, that's really kind of clever of her to, you know, instead of just sitting there either panicking about being trapped or just letting the robot do all the work, she actually used her brain a little bit. And then she pulls out the manual. She's like, well, you know, got some reading to do. And she's just going to flip through the thing and figure out what it is that, you know, there's got to be a little safety button in here somewhere, you know, and she figured it out. So, yeah, that was kind of, I thought, smart of her. Got to give her a little credit. I don't Uh like her, but you got to give her a little credit. (laughs) So that was, that was good. Anything else on, on your, let's see, what was that? That was your number four, I believe. That was my number four. So oh, okay. I will jump three? into my number three. So my yeah. number three uh, is kind of like the monster movie feel I got for a couple of scenes. Mm-hmm. So when we see the robot start to kind of go into uh, Dr. Smith protection mode, we almost get kind of like, I got a horror movie sense of this. Like this is the big bad. This is the Michael Myers, you know, uh, you know, walking the halls of this spaceship, the Jupiter, tracking down the family. You know, the the face of fear kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, whenever the other robot comes up, which kind of ties into a later one, but we see, like, his friend show up, which I don't even know where his friend came from. He just shows up in a spaceship. Exactly. And we see the crazy claws, and he's shooting stuff at uh, the Robinsons. And, like, you get a very, like, end-of-the-world feel with these guys. Like, these are badass alien robots. Yeah, and they got no some superpowers. Yeah, they do. 
Um, but yeah, that the whole scene of like when when the Robinsons are running from the robot, like name them Michael Myers, you know Friday the Thirteenth today, Jason, you know mm-hmm. very much that kind of cold stalking serial killer type thing. Very menacing. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I felt like you could almost have taken that and made a whole episode out of it on Halloween. It would have been like our the monster of the day or monster of the episode uh, show or something like that. And it would have been really, really cool. Yeah. That was. Those, ro- those robots a little bit more. Because, uh, I mean, we got to see the robot kind of fun. We haven't seen him really do anything violent except in a couple of, sp- you know, uh, flashbacks. Mm-hmm. But in this, you really got to see the full power of that uh, robot. Definitely. Yeah, that uh, robot fight was super cool. And yeah, there wasn't much explanation. The only thing I could think of, because I was at first initially thinking, where the hell did this guy show up from? But I'm guessing because of our robot, I'm going to say our robot or Will's robot, that crashed on that planet with everyone else after attacking the Resolute. And then we know that there was alien technology strapped to that chariot that it somehow oh, yeah, yeah. was tracking it down, like it was tracing it, like it found it on the Resolute, I guess, and that's why they attacked the Resolute to to get their technology back. That's the only thing I can think of is that they were tracing, you know, or tracking, like, you know, their technology and found them that way. But it was kind of weird how it just kind of popped up out of nowhere. But so that's my only guess. That makes sense. I didn't think about it because they were talking about how, like, they, they uh, weren't floating, like there was gravity on the ship. Yeah, which I still didn't get, and it still didn't quite make sense to me that where did Dr. Smith, how did that play a part? Like, I guess it's clear that she attached it to the that chariot and then it got back on the ship. But I don't remember seeing that after even two watches that, yeah. you know, we saw the robot starting up like he was in the ship and you see him like starting to activate some things and, you know, you see some things happening, but we never actually see that. And, I, and it, so I was kind of confused when all of a sudden it kind of the camera pans down and you see something underneath the, the you know, the, that chariot. And I was like, what the hell is that? And what mm. <laughs> who, who did it? Where did it come from? What the hell is going on? Maybe it's like um, dog so thought, poo. Like you don't realize you <laughs> stepped in it, but slowly you start to realize it. It's too late after you've already stepped in it, yeah. and, and you're like, "Oh no, where did that come from?" Yeah, and that's why I'm pro no shoes in the house. I don't know if you are. If you're like shoes in the house, I am pro no shoes in the house. Take those things off. Like when I step in the door, I try to, because and I wear special shoes. I wear one pair of shoes. Like I have, because I am so freaked about snakes. We were just talking about that before we started <laughs> recording. I am like, well, and I'm allergic to bees. So I always have to wear oh, shoes. Gotcha. I like to be, I like to be barefoot whenever I walk outside. Cause I love the, you know, feel of walking around in grass, but I really can't because I'm always afraid I'm going to step on a bee and I'm highly allergic. So I don't take that chance. And then also I'm super I'm scared of snakes, like like paralyzingly scared. I'm not joking. I, I freeze and paralyze and kind of go bananas. Um, <laughs> so I think if I ever step on one, I have on these really tall boots that are, I'm not going to say they're snake proof, but they're kind of thickish, like, mm. you know, rubber boots. They'll have a hard time penetrating those if I step on one and it bites me. They have um, razors on the front so you can karate chop them. Yeah, they're like Mad Max boots, <laughs> man. They're like 
decked out. Um, and then of course, if I do step in some dog poo, I have two dogs and I have a large dog, you know, and they poo a lot. And sometimes in the dark, you can't always see where you're stepping. Right. And look, I don't clean up my yard every day, folks. I do try to go out there like once a week and like clean stuff up, but I'm not out there, um, every day. So there's some things happening out there. And in the dark, when I take him out after or before bed, there's stuff happening. So yeah, I will take off my shoes when I come into the door. You know, I, I, I don't walk through the house with my shoes on. I think that's, and just also just, you know, you think of the dirt when you're out yeah. a lot and all the places you've been and you stepped and stuff. And I'm fine. You know, if you walk around in the house with your shoes on, that's fine. I don't judge you. I don't care. It's your house. Do what you want. Just for me personally, I don't think like think about tracking all that stuff in my house. Yeah, I don't either. There's I other usually, people's stuff happening Even when I go there. to other people's houses, even if they don't like ask me to, I usually take my shoes off. Yeah. Just because I can see people being like, oh, I don't really want to ask them to because I don't want to seem snooty. Yeah. So I just do it anyway. I, I try to do that too. I'll, and then I'm hoping that, oh God, did I wear my good socks? I didn't wear the ones with the, <laughs> <laughs> with the hole in them. <laughs> I didn't wear the ones that I stepped in the dog poop, did I? <laughs> Ew, in your socks? <laughs> are you going out in your well, some, socks? <laughs> sometimes you can't find your shoes and you just go out. Things are happening, Rima. It's dark. It, it, that's true. When your dog is barking at you, like, I got to go. And you don't have time to grab or find those shoes. You just do what you can. <laughs> um, throw away those socks later. Um, yeah, I try to do that, too. Try to be respectful of other people's carpets and floors and tracking and crap. Anyway, I don't know how we got off on the talk of poo here. Were you, was that all that you wanted to yep. say about your number three? Yep. <laughs> your so that was number my three. number three is the the monster movie. I like it. So my number three, going off in a little bit of a different direction, um, who turned out not to be such a monster, and that was Victor. Yeah, um, he, he did the honorable thing. I know. I was really, I've given this man a lot of shit this season. Um, he's just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, he wasn't a horrible person. He, he, he just, I just always said he was, you know, a little douchey, you know, throughout the season and stuff. You know, he wasn't a horrible guy, um, but I just didn't like all the decisions he made. And I felt like he came off a little bit douchey, but it turns out he is not the biggest douche in the galaxy after all. And not only, you know, was he out there waiting for them uh, you know, the first time around, but he comes back, you know, Maureen even said, oh, they're long gone. You know, there's mm-hmm. no way that this is happening. And then all of a sudden, what do we see way far back in the foreground through the space window? And that was the resolute. And I like how he even joked with John. He's like, you know, hey, I represent all the people in the in these colonies, <laughs> even you, John. <laughs> I like that because obviously they kind of rubbed each other the wrong way uh, throughout the season. But they managed to, you know, to get along and bring it together for the sake of the colony and working together and stuff. So I liked it. I was like. All right, Victor, I like you. Um, I think he redeemed himself for me anyway, maybe not for everyone. And maybe not everyone disliked him like me, but I liked it. So that was kind of short and sweet, but I thought it was worth bringing up because I have given him shit. Yeah, I think it's kind of like people probably had a lot of hate for him, but deep down he was trying to do what he thought was best. And he knew that he Mm -hmm. was able to, you know, at least save the people that were coming out of the planet. And he had a little like happy surprise when he heard John's voice too. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, "Oh, John, you're alive! Okay, awesome!" And then, of course, Don chimes in after everybody said their hellos. He's like, "Hey, I'm I'm alive too." Hey, wait, yeah. Hey, what you? about me over here? Yeah, <laughs> who are you again? Oh, yeah, you're the mechanic. <laughs> but yeah, because yeah, but let's see. Did we? 
We learned last episode that they were at least alive. We didn't know where they were or what was happening exactly. Um, and I can't remember if Victor was there and knew before they all left I, or not. I don't remember. I don't but. think so. Because I think they kind of kept it quiet when... Because it seems like all the ships left at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. And Will and them stayed behind. Right. Waiting to find their mom and then to find John. Yeah. So yeah, but either way, I just liked it and I gave a little little cheer there at the there at the final end when they came back around and they stuck around when when you know we thought they were you know already gone and uh, I liked it. So I was really rooting for this to have a good happy ending. I know we're probably going to talk about that here in a bit, but um. You know, I, I was really happy to see him back. I was like, you go, Victor. You made yourself to be a good guy. He even smiled a little bit. Yeah. Didn't have that sour, pinched look on his face. <laughs> Do you think, like, after the ship disappeared, though, he's like, well, shit, if we would have just left two hours earlier, we could have been halfway to the planet we needed to go to. <laughs> be complaining like Don was. <laughs> if we hadn't stuck around, if we had just done this instead, if we'd gone left instead of right, um, I hope not. I'm gonna say no. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna leave him on a good note, and because that, that's probably the last we're gonna see of them, at least for yeah, I think so. Yeah, probably a while since we we know how this this left off. So that's my number three is Victor. What's your uh, number two? So my number two, kind of short and sweet. We touched on a little bit my number three, but it was the complete robot fight. So yeah, you know, we see the two robots show up. We see our robot and we see the other robot. And they're kind of teaming up. They're going after the Robinsons because they're after this technology that they have, this you know alien robot tech. Mm-hmm. And just as our robots about to hurt Will, it like something changes in it. You know, he realizes what he is, I guess, and un- like understands who Will is. Mm-hmm. And then we get to see him battle his alien robot partner to an extremely violent end. Yeah. That one robot was falling apart. Oh, they're using like lava lasers to melt the other one's pieces (laughs) off. I know. And then they do like this whole wrestling move where they jump out into space and they're just floating out there. And that's the last we see of them too. Like I was expecting something to happen more towards the end. It was it. It's like those who just, you know, hurtling towards the the fallen planet. Yeah. But that's like more of what I want to see in like season two. Like I want to see just robot fights, like every other episode. Uh, well, you know, don't like, they? Ha- they have a show for that, right? Robot Wars, isn't there? Oh yeah, those are super <laughs> violent. Too. Have you ever watched those things? I haven't. I don't sit and watch it like every week or all new episodes. But I've caught some before, and I'm I'm like because I'm like I want a robot. Why am I not <laughs> smart enough to build one of those and and battle it out? You know, it's fun. I read that there was one that was so like powerful and bad that. They basically said, okay, you can't compete and you win because if you compete, you're going to destroy everything and it's not going to be fun. So we're going to let all the other ones basically play for second place and you automatically win. Oh, wow. Well, you got to have get a little competition if you're yeah, just exactly. – if, if you're like, who's that one – was it um, – oh, goodness. Not a super well-known boxer. Some of you folks might have heard of him, um, Butterbean. I think he oh, said yeah. just knock him out like with a first punch or something, uh-huh. like first round, first punch, boom, they went down. Well, there's, that's no fun. We got to get yeah. a, at least like a couple Butterbean, rounds. Butterbean going into some like local boxing tournament. And yeah. they're like, uh, okay, Butterbean, you automatically win. Everybody else is just playing for second place because we don't want you to kill everybody here. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, you want a little bit of action. 
but um, no, I haven't seen that, and I didn't hear about that. That's that's pretty interesting. Gosh, what kind of robot was that? That was I don't remember what it was taking yeah, everyone out. Um, but Ooh. yeah, I mean, I just liked you know we got to see kind of the the full turn from you know it's almost like the Star Wars. Like we see, oh, it's actually kind of like the Star Wars story. You know, we see the robot go from good to bad at the last <laughs> moment. Like he sees. You know, Luke Skywalker, and he's like, oh, and he throws the Emperor out into the thing. Very son. Yeah. <laughs> That's good comparison. Good comparison. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, and I, I did like the robot fight. I thought it was super cool. Um, I did like how it kind of distinguished between you, you very clearly saw a bad robot. He's all, you know, with the forearms and the freaky legs, you know, looking very menacing, had the red face. And then we had our robot while he was still kind of bad because he was still working for Dr. Smith and still looking for this alien or, and, you know, I guess meeting with his buddy there wanted to get that alien technology. Um, but he's still, you know, our robot. He's got the blue, blue face, uh, at least for a minute. And then he looks at that one and his face turns red, but he still yeah. stays kind of normal. He looks human-ish, you know. He keeps his, like, humanoid kind of form that we, that we you know, I think can help kind of relate. Because when they turn into, like, when he turned into in one of the other episodes when he had to fight that um, that creature that you mentioned earlier when it came stomping into the campgrounds, um, you know, he looks very... He looks evil. He looks menacing, as did this one. But when he reverts back to his, you know, human-ish kind of form, then he kind of seems more relatable and looks more human and makes you feel, I think, more sympathy for him. So I, I did, though. I enjoyed that whole robot fight. Some really good action. That was pretty intense. Like you said, you know, um, our robots, like, kind of throws those laser beam things out of his hands into his face and that yeah. stuff starts like pouring out of his face, whatever was, the heck that yeah. stuff was. That was like, didn't look like good. It was like a lava laser. Like, I mean, like hit and like just melted. Like, um, I think there was an episode of stars, uh, one of the star Wars where it looked very, very similar. Maybe that's all it says. Maybe there's based this whole just episode on star Wars. Star Wars. They're stealing everything from star Wars. Everything's stolen from star Wars. It's the Mecca, but <laughs> But yeah, that was that was super cool, and I do like how he turned back. So, like all that. Yeah. So my number two is just that robot fight. Um, I like it. So what do you have for your number two? Well, my number two is basically just jumping to the finale or the the end part where they are now truly lost in space. That's that's yep. my number two is lost in space. So the Robinsons, you know, I kind of put on here missed out, but they didn't really miss out. We, we talked a little bit about how Victor came back for them and did not work out for them because the robot alien technology that was smuggled on the chariot and then onto the Jupiter, you see it integrating with the Jupiter. Um, mm-hmm. You see it snaking out and hooking up into, it looks like all of the relevant systems, you know, and just completely taking control of it. And then some type of portal opens up and sucks them in. You mentioned that the, when the robots were fighting that, you know, they just get swept out into space. We don't see them after that. I'm willing to bet they got swept up in that black hole too. Yeah. That's, that's my prediction. Um, I'm making a prediction that we were clearly, we have not seen the last of this robot. Um, but, um, anyway, I think that that was the, I'm going to guess it's the home planet or home galaxy, something of the robot. 
and it was, was going home. Because he had drawn something in the sand like in episode two or three. Yeah. It looked very, very similar. Yeah, when Will was doing his little, you know, oh, the first ever art from an alien race oh, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, and he was recording him. And so I'm guessing it's their home planet or home galaxy, something or other, uh, some sort of home for where those robots are coming from. And... uh so I think it I think it set up set it up really good because I was cu- I it was curious throughout the whole episode I kept kind of questioning myself and I don't know if I ever mentioned it on the podcast um, or if you and I talked about it offline or anything like that but I was always kind of like you know I kept kind of questioning well this doesn't seem very lost in space yes they're yeah. kind of lost in space but they have other co- colonists they're not completely alone. Um, you know, they're a little off course from their mission on, on their way to Alpha Centauri, but they're not quite, you know, I just don't quite know where this is going. And well, now we see how they've set the stage for season two and to kind of set the stage for the whole premise mm. of the original show being lost in space and truly being alone, you know, having to, to figure things out on their own and being truly lost in space. So I like how you know, even though it took us a season to get there, I think that we kind of needed, I think it's nice to kind of have that background. Like who are the Robinsons? Yeah, I agree. Where did they come from? How did they even get to this point where they're lost in space? I think I would have been annoyed had they just started out like, oh, we're just lost in yeah. space. <laughs> so. Well, that's, that's kind of what I got from the first episode. I was like, oh, okay. So this is how they get away from their resolute, like their mm-hmm. main mission. They're on this planet by themselves. And episode two is like, wait a minute, there's a bunch of them here. And it was kind of confusing to me at first, too, because, again, like you said, it's like this is lost in space, and they're kind of lost with other people. Yeah. But I kind of, like, like they missed a golden opportunity for a nice little giggle. So, like, at the end, as they get sucked through, like, Don, he's on the ship, too. He could have been like, huh, well, shit. Now we really are lost in space. Missed opportunity. (laughs) That's why I don't get invited back to any more Netflix meetings. Right, right. Yeah, why don't they have us in the writer's room for these things, <laughs> damn it? We're funny, darn it. At least we think so. Um, but yeah, that that was just my number two, just lost in space. Now we're there, and we truly kind of, set, I think, set the stage for season two, which we know um, is uh, coming soon. Um, date still to be announced, folks, but we know it's coming. It has been renewed. Yep. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. What's your number one? So my number one, kind of the whole season's really shown this, but it's kind of the family. Um, what it, it was kind of silly this part, but it kind of showed Will growing up uh, as he's getting ready to leave. We talked about it just a bit. He's talking about like, oh, you've been protecting me my whole life. If I can't grow up to protect you, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. And as he's saying this, I'm like, dude, you're eight years old. Like, <laughs> yeah. I understand, but come on. I mean, he might be like twelve, but you know, he seemed like a little old to be like, you've been protecting me my whole life. Yeah, uh, I agree. It, it was the emotion behind it. You know, like, you know, yeah, they're a family. Yeah, he's young, but they are on this very, you know, life threatening mission that, like, just because you're eight or 12, like, you can't be in a regular eight or 12 year old. Like, you have to be fully committed to this. And it's a very dangerous situation. Well, especially now, um, now that they are truly cut off from everyone, all the other colonists, the Resolute, they truly are dependent upon themselves and their own set of skill sets um, and knowledge and education that all of them have that it, this couldn't have happened really at a better time for him to kind of, you know, grow up a little bit. I mean, it kind of sucks. He's not quite allowed to be a kid anymore and he has to step into that situation, but they're definitely going to need every, every able body 
right now, you know, to survive. Well, so, and especially in the situation they're in now, where it's really just the what the six of them, seven of them, counting Doctor Smith. Yep. There's the three kids: mom, dad, Don, and Don, and, and Doctor yes, Smith. Yes, the seven of yep. them. Um, we talked a little bit about the uh, um. Let's see, what was it the so the Maureen kind of being the the player on, against the player, like you know, protecting the family, you know, using the uh, the res or using the Jupiter to trick more trick um, Doctor Smith into getting to the hub to protect her family. So, kind of like the like you see in nature, like if if my family, if like something's going to come and kill my family, I'm going to do all I can to protect them, even if that means potentially harming them. Um, which is kind of like you think of like uh, you know bears and things like that, where they'll. Sometimes I, this maybe not even be a good analogy. I was gonna say, well, they eat their young, but that's that's like not even. Oh, what, oh yeah, that's, no. <laughs> it was going a really weird direction. Sorry, that it, it, like I was trying to speak out loud, and then I was like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. But I guess it's just the extent that like she's gonna go r- as far as she can to protect her family, mm-hmm. um, which kind of goes back to like why would she say the Robinsons live together, die together? Like I, that seems kind of odd now that I put that analysis on it. Um, well, let's go to something sweet. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so morbid, Sean, you're morbid yeah, this week. <laughs> uh, so as Will was, uh, kind of falling off the ship, um, my mind was in like, okay, cliche mode, right? So he's off the ship. The, uh, robot was off the ship. The robot's going to be the one to come to the rescue, right? Cause we got to see the robot at the end of the season. Yeah. And what we see is we see his dad come floating into screen and grab hold of his son. Yeah. And, you know, I, I got a little teary-eyed, I'm not going to lie, because he grabs me, he's like, I got you, buddy. And it was Aww. just kind of like, you know, because it's like, it, it kind of goes back to like, you know, him and his dad kind of on these rocky grounds. But even, you know, in this situation, um, his dad, you know, swoops in and is the hero. Like, I think he had a lot of like, oh, this robot's kind of the hero, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it was his dad. Yeah, um, and and there's the little scene between Maureen and uh, John where you know she's kind of like, because I mean it's like with your kid you always think like worst case scenario I think of this stuff like oh my gosh like what if you know I didn't come in you know at the last minute to swoop him up and it's like you can't think about that you know we saved him we're all here yeah uh, but it all kind of ties in just the whole thing that they have on here is like this family unit um, I, I guess the other part was you know where we got Don to cry from it. But John is going through and um, talking about uh, each of the family members. You know, like each one has all these different characteristics. um, And you get Don to start sniffling a little bit. And he he says, you know, he's like, oh, I wish I had a dad like you. I know. It's one of those things to like (laughs) these guys are – these guys are roughly probably the same age. Like not – it doesn't feel like John could be Don's dad. Um. But I mean, I think that's it's just kind of you know Don. I think needs a family. He he seems like he's alone. And even though they got sucked out and they're in this place on their own, he's kind of in this family together now. He's like a he's another adopted Robinson. Yes. Oh, that's really good. You know, I didn't think about that so much in relating the story that he was talking to John about and how he's 
always kind of been on his own, had to learn how to tie his own shoes, always looked out for himself. He's not an orphan, but no one really gave a crap about him or cared about what he did. And, and yeah, probably seeing the Robinsons and how close knit they are, how they do fight for each other and encourage each other and, and stuff. So yeah, that's, that's super cool, which would, you know, but you saying that makes it just a little bit more creepy for him and Judy to have that flirtation thing going on. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) So he, he wants to like kind of, it was kind of nice to think of him being like an adopted member of the family. However, you don't want to take that too far, considering <laughs> him and Judy are doing a little flirty, flirty stuff, this which I'm not still not sure Game about. Of Thrones. <laughs> this is not Game of Thrones, folks. Let's keep it, keep it uh, PG, please. Keep it PG. But, I like but yeah, it. that's that's my number one. Is just the family unit that's kind of uh, evolved and and come together over this uh, first season. I like it. I have talked a lot about how much I love this family. I totally buy, you know, there's a little cheesiness and a little campiness, you know, throughout the season and some of the, some of the things that happen and some of the storytelling, some of the lines that are delivered and things, but all in all, as a whole, I really do like this family. I do totally buy, you know, this family being a real family and the, the ups and the downs and, you know, all of that that comes with it. And I thought that was a really sweet moment with uh, John. Uh, coming in to, to save Will. I, and I did think about you. I was like, oh, I bet, you know, that really got to Sean. I know you've got a really great relationship with your dad. I know you've got a little boy, you know, that you would, yeah. you know, thinking about if, you know, you doing that, if if you were in that situation with him. And, and so I'm, I'm, I, I bet, I bet Sean teared up just a little bit. <laughs> during just a little bit. The, just, and I you mean, know. I'm sure like most dads call their kids buddy, but like I call my son buddy a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I mean, if, that situation will never happen because one, I'm not smart enough to get to space. He probably will be, <laughs> but in that situation, that's what would happen. So. Exactly. It, it may not be uh, saving him from space, but you know, you catch him when he falls or, yeah, yeah. you know, something like that. Um, saving him from those everyday adventures that little boys find themselves in. Right. <laughs> Just he likes to jump off of everything. <laughs> Every day you're saving him from himself, right? <laughs> Darn toddlers. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Yep, I like it. Good number one. Way to uh, end it on that note, Sean. So my number one, while you're focusing more on the family, I'm going to focus more on the robot because as much as what I love all the other characters in the family, um, the robot, I thought, to me, uh, was the one character that had the most interesting character arc the season. <laughs> Um, (laughs) (laughs) everyone else there was really nothing you know as far as their characters and development everyone was kind of the same I think they're all interesting in their own way and bring different things to the show but the robot I thought had the more interesting character arc I think he was always supposed to be the main appeal of the show in my opinion, I think it's always kind of been about the robot not just about the Robinsons Um, I think even though the dialogue can be kind of corny and all the just-in-time solutions to all the problems. In the end, it's about the robot. You know, the Jupiter is super cool. I love the technology. I love space. Like I said, I'm, I'm a space net. So I love, you know, about space and the super cool technology. Um, but in the end, you know, I think the robot is super cool. I think they were super secretive a lot about the robot before it came out. Like they didn't want a whole lot released about it because they mm. wanted it to be you know, they were kind of saving it for the show. They didn't want to put a lot out there. I think that they were kind of secretive about it. And I think that's probably why. And the robot was definitely one of my, you know, most favorite things about the season. And like I mentioned a while ago, I said, I think he's gone for now, but you know, he's going to be back in season two. 
um, I feel like the robot's just too big uh, for this show that he's clearly going to be back. I mean, that was kind of the whole thing with Lost in Space, right? It was a robot and Will Robinson. Yeah, pretty much. And so, they, yeah, and if they drop off the robot in season two, like, yeah, they're definitely like, you know, cutting off their nose to spite their face kind of scenario. Exactly. So I, I, I feel pretty good about him coming back. And that was my prediction was that um, he or maybe both he and the bad robot, if he survived their little robot fight and his spillage of the whatever was coming out of his face um, survived, they got sucked into that that black hole or that portal, whatever it was, that opened up as well. So that's my number one. I've talked about him all season. Um, that's a robot. Badass robot. Awesome. Do you have any notes? Um, Let's see. I have one big note. Um, So we see Dr. Smith get out, and we see everybody kind of run off and hide from the robot. And we see her – it seems like they kind of skipped a lot of stuff here. So we see her Mm -hmm. go to where she sees the harpoons, she sees Will, or she sees John out there in Dawn. And come to find out, she shot the harpoon a second time to catch him and bring him back. Yep. Um, I don't remember or seeing how she got captured. I just no, like- we didn't see it. We just somehow, I guess they found her wherever she was. Yeah. And they locked I, her up in one of those airlocks. I felt like that was kind of, uh, I don't know if they just cut that, like bad editing or what, but because as the whole time when John's back on the ship and he's like, oh, I'm glad you shot the harpoon a second time. And she's like, I didn't. I'm like, holy shit, where the fuck is Dr. Smith? Exactly. And then she just walks downstairs like, oh, she's in prison, basically. And uh, I love the line because, you know, she asked why. And Dr. Smith is like, well, I just wanted to let you know that I'm, I wanted to show you I'm sorry, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's her playing her hand of being like, well, I'm screwed. So I have to start you know, sucking up essentially like my, my game plans out the window. I don't have the robot anymore. So I'm at the mercy of the Robinsons and the resolute, but I love the line where, uh, Marine is basically like saying, there is no way I'm ever letting you out of here again. And I wrote that down. And I went dot, dot, dot this season. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. Because they haven't yet seen, uh, you know, the resolute come back. They haven't yet been sucked into, this mm-hmm. black hole, they cannot, you know, and and essentially after they have absolutely zero chance of getting back to the Resolute or, you know, Dr. Smith getting to Alpha Centauri, you know, they can't keep her locked up forever. I mean, I guess they could try. It doesn't seem like they have a sufficient kind of like, you know, brig or whatever that they have on ships for to lock people up when they, you know, need a, a place to keep them if someone's done some wrongdoing. So they chose the airlock, which I thought was kind of fitting since that one guy that she kind of offed <laughs> yeah. on the resolute, he was stuck in the airlock. And so all they essentially need to do is, Hey, if you act up, I'm going to hit this little button and you're getting sucked into space. Um, so you better behave. Um, so I thought that was kind of appropriate, um, for her to be in that location. So, so, I mean, clearly, you know, they, they could let her out and she really has absolutely no, motivation to not I mean she can still probably you know manipulate she can still be a a pain in their side but you know can she really play the games that she played before when they were stuck on the planet and then trying to get back to the resolute they all have the motivation to find a way back and she is somewhat worthless as far as like she has like no technical skills um, or anything like that but I think at this point they need every able-bodied person to help them. So, yep, I, I agree. I think they're probably going to be letting her out eventually. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think that's what's going to be really intriguing is they're going to be at a point now where there's 
like I said, there's seven people on the ship, not counting the robot. They're going to need every able-bodied they can get, and that's mm-hmm. what you're probably going to see. So it, season two is setting up to be pretty interesting. I think it is going to be interesting to see how all these folks, how they're going to be able to cohabitate and work together. Um, because Don Smith has something against her. The Robinsons all have something against her. And that was in my notes too, is just in general about Dr. Smith. Like, did she save John on purpose? Does she have another plan? Does she really care about the family? And is she really sorry and actually have a conscious? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, because she can seem so genuine as she's lying right through her teeth. So I don't know what to believe about her, but I just thought that was that was interesting. Um, and yeah, I felt like it was kind of cut, kind of weird how she's standing there and she can see the harpoon, how it didn't quite reach them. You see her retracting it, but we don't see anything after that until she's locked in the airlock. So eh, a little bit sloppy, but eh, whatever. There was bigger things, I guess, to worry about for this episode. So I think, yeah, season two is going to be interesting. I am excited. And I don't know. I guess we got some time. That's for sure. That's all I know. There hasn't been a date, but I think it's probably going to be a little while. So anyway. So did you have any extra other notes you wanted to tack on the end of the season finale? You know, I think we talked about everything else that I wanted to talk about in my top five and in my notes. Did you have anything else? Nope, uh, I think they'll tidy it up. I, like I said, I'm in the same boat. I'm excited to see what they do for season two. I think we're guessing 2020, like not next year. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're speculating. I don't really know what that's based off of. I just don't know if that's the time it would take, you know, to put it all together to get the script. I wonder um, if it's because that's when our schedule started to free up so they could definitely get us in for shooting for season two. That's probably what it is. Yeah, I would if if I had to guess, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, hopefully, we'll hear something eventually. So I don't know, and we'll have to check out the news. Maybe there's something in there. Spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> so stick around. <laughs> anyway, before we get to that, um, we'd like to just say a word about our second sponsor of the week. Rima, have you ever found yourself on the outside of a spaceship and you've thought to yourself, man, I wish I had something connecting me to this spaceship? Yes. Well, if I you have. want something of high quality, but uh, basically anything of leather to help make sure you've got that safe connection to the spaceship, you should check out Laux Leatherworks. So, Laux Leatherworks builds custom leather things. They've got billfolds, they've got belts, they've got all kinds of cool stuff. And if you use our promo code STRANGE2018, you'll get $5 off anything you buy. Looking at his shop, it's www.etsy.com slash shop slash Laux Leatherworks. If there's something there you don't want or you want something even cooler, some custom work, go ahead and send those custom orders to dlaux at lauxleatherworks.com. And again, make sure you use the promo code STRANGE2018 and you get $5 off. $5 off. Dude, that's a... That's a, a, a Rally's meal right there. Combo yeah. meal. Not that I go there or anything. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Okay, so first news item of the week is from CBR.com. So Netflix's reboot of Lost in Space is expected to begin production on its second season in September. So the modern update of Irwin Allen's classic sci-fi series is scheduled to return to Vancouver for principal photography from September 4th through March 1st. Wow, that's kind of a long, long shoot for... um, like Especially 10 episodes. With the, uh, the younger kids, too. Yeah, no like kidding. Will. 
He'll have a beard by the end of the season. <laughs> right. He's going to be a man. Um, <laughs> so they announce the announced production calendar comes nearly three months after a season two renewal order that came from Netflix this past May. While there is still no official premiere date for season two, it is expected to be released sometime next year. Ooh, so maybe 2019. Maybe. So yeah, if they if they're gonna be um doing principal photography from September fourth to March first and they wrap, then they'll have time to then do all their post work, all the CGI work and editing and things like that. And maybe, you know, I could see them probably doing it in the fall, uh maybe fall, early winter of next year. That's just me guessing. I don't know anything, people. Um, I'm just saying. That's just my guesstimation. I could be totally off. But they are expected to be released um, sometime next year. And we'll let you know when we have a date for that. When we hear something. All right. So our second story comes from E! Online. So listen, if you're a really big fan of David Harbour, on or off Stranger Things, you're very much in the right place. Because we're here to tell you a story that involves David Harbour and a very small puppy. The actor was nominated for an Emmy Award this morning for Best Supporting Actor for his role as Chief Hopper in Season 2 of the Netflix drama, and he learned the news while doing a very adorable and rather unglamorous activity. I was trying to get my puppy to poop out on the lawn, he told us on the phone a few hours after the announcement. I was trying to get my puppy to poop, and my girlfriend was watching it, but I don't like to watch those things. I get so stressed out. While he says he feels proud and awesome about being nominated, there's also a level of anxiety that comes with it. I mean, it's super nice, but also, like, the colors of the rainbow are so diverse in terms of the performance that I see on TV, and there's people who never got nominated that can do things that I can't do, he says. Like, poop on, like get my dog to poop on a lawn. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so to me, it's like choosing colors of the rainbow. It's like, how do you say that purple is better than yellow? So in that way, it was just just kind of stresses me out because it feels somewhat arbitrary. Well, no wonder we were talking about poop, poop and puppies so much. It was in the news. So. It all ties in. See, we weren't just like rambling non-coherently. No, we never do that. It's all right? planned. It's all, it's all <laughs> part of a grand plan that we always have, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, somebody's got that plan. I don't think it's us. No, it's definitely not us. We can think about it all day long and it's just never going to happen for us. But I'm okay with that. We're good. We're good. We're good with ourselves. I'm at peace. Are you at peace, Sean? I am at peace. I'm at peace. And speaking of David Harbour's nomination for the Emmys, if you haven't already seen, Millie Bobby Brown was also nominated and Stranger Things was nominated for um, Best Drama. Um, for TV, I think it was. I don't remember the exact category. Look, folks, I just report this stuff. I can't remember everything, and I don't have it written <laughs> down. So congrats to Stranger Things and all the actors that were nominated um, for all their multiple categories. They were uh, nominated for multiple things. So let's watch the Emmys um, coming up soon, and I think in a couple weeks. So and cross your fingers for Stranger Things and all those folks. Okay, so for listener feedback this week, we have a couple couple folks that decided to let us know what they thought about the finale. The first is Pake Allen. He says, great way to wrap up a fun season and lead into a crazy second one. Loved Will in this one. He really stepped up and showed his worth and heroism. Quite the cliffhanger. Who knows where in the universe the Robinsons are now, but it's danger wherever mm-hmm. they are. Ooh, very clever, Pake. Ryan Drogmuller says, I liked it a lot. It redeemed a lot of things that starts to bug me with the series. Interesting. Hmm. Right I was back. kind of on the opposite side of that, but I can kind of see how 
this is one of those like it's like Walking Dead. Like it ends on a very good note. It's like oh my gosh, the potential. Yes, I agree. Uh, Ryan, you'll have to write back in and let us know what bugged you with the series. Even though we've wrapped for this season with Lost in Space, I'm always curious to hear what folks think. So send us an email, a voicemail. If you have a, a, an accent, you're required to send a voicemail, by the way. Um, or uh, send us some more feedback on Facebook. Let us know what you thought about the whole series. <clears throat> We also have an email this week. Um, hi, Sean and Rima. Um, his thoughts on this uh, finale was, uh, without a gun to defend herself, Maureen utilized the hydraulic wrench to batter the robot to save her son. Her actions reminded me of the movie Aliens when Sigourney Weaver battled the monster with a similar tool she controlled. What do you think about the way uh, Maureen defended Will? Well, I like what you said. I think you yeah. said it better than what I could. Um, I love Aliens, that sequel movie. Holy crap, Sigourney Weaver is a badass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I liked it. it. was like, holy shit, Marine just knocked the shit out of the robot. Yes, that was good. And I, I really love, because I can appreciate, you know, you were talking earlier, you know, kind of relating about, you know, the, the John and Will moment, you know, to like you and your son. I can totally see as a mom myself oh, now, yeah. while I've never had to defend my daughter against some big badass robot trying to kill us or take us out, um, I do appreciate that you know, mother instinct, like a mama bear protecting her baby cub. So I totally loved it, thought it was badass. And I think that was a really good analogy with Sigourney Weaver and aliens because she's awesome. Um, he goes on to say, any ideas on why Dr. Smith saved Don West and John Robinson? Um, he says, my answer is she saved John because she ran out of options. If Don and John died, Dr. Smith would have to deal with a grieving widow and the possible death of Will. Then Dr. Smith would have suffered the fate of being thrown out of the airlock just as she threaded Maureen. She saved John to save herself as usual. What do you think? Um, I'm leaning towards that. I just, yeah. she, I mean, she said herself when she was talking to Maureen earlier in the episode about, uh, you know, I'm just more honest about it. I'm, I'm out to save myself. I'm out to protect myself. And she's like, everyone's like me. She admitted who she was. And to me, when someone tells you or shows you who they are, you should believe them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, that's just my thoughts. What do you think, Sean? I am saying, but I think she like basically had all of her tricks, all of her cards were on the table. So she had to just kind of do something to get in the good graces of uh Marine and the, the Robinsons. Cause mm-hmm. the robot's gone. She's about to go on the resolute where she's basically an outlaw. So she needs as many friends as she can get. And if she, you know, was basically the ones responsible for Don and John and, and extent now will, if will wasn't saved, uh, yeah, Marine's, probably not even going to get her, let her get to the resolute. So it's just survival at this point for her. Absolutely. I think it's survival and just to try to get them on her good side. Cause she was making those comparisons when she was talking with Maureen, she's like, well, you are married to John because he protects you and mm. you know, things like that. And it's like, so is she, she's trying to say that no matter what good things you think that you're doing, you are still selfishly serving yourself. And I think that that's what Dr. Smith was doing here. I, I just, I don't quite believe yet she has a conscience or she truly cares. Um, go, sorry, the email goes on to say the alien technology that diverted the Jupiter away from the Resolute and into the black hole will land the Robinson family safely on planet danger to meet up with the robot again. Planet Danger, as the robot called his home, will be the place for bottle episodes and new adventure each week. The setup is perfect, as the Robinsons are a close family now, just like the original show. Oh, good perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Dr. Smith will live on to continue to stir up trouble between the Robinsons and intelligent alien life forms they come across, just like the original series. I hope we get to see it. What are your predictions for next season? Uh, Darnell. Thanks, Darnell. You always have some really great insight. I appreciate all of your emails that you've been sending throughout the season. So thank you. Um, I said a little bit about my prediction. I think we will see the robot. I think he mm-hmm. got because I think he got yeah swept up into that portal, whatever it was that opened up and swept the Robinsons into uh, uh, where that home planet was. Um, I, what I, other news? I, guess I don't know. Not what really other prediction? But maybe my hope is that we see a more sentient robot, mm-hmm. and like the whole basically him back on his home planet kind of thing, and and it's basically him trying to make a decision: does he stay with the Robinsons or does he stay with his own alien life form? Right. Um, I'd be really interested to see that. Like the the Robinsons figure out a way to get off this planet danger, and then the robots got to decide: okay, am I staying here or am I going with the Robinsons? I think that's good. I look forward to that, and I I'm going to tag on and just add to what was said in this email is that yeah we're going to get some great episodes each week you know i hope that like i said they kind of figure out a little bit about you know new problems to solve um because i do think that we're going to get a new danger you know some new something to overcome whether it's technology or a a, a, some type of planet that they happen to come across or new creatures um alien life forms things like that i hope they you know, kind of figure that out a little bit, that dynamic and how to figure that out a little bit better. Um, but I think we're going to get some of that. And I think that's going to be great while we also get some great stuff from the characters that we know and love. And of course the robot robot has to be back. <laughs> not, not, not such great insight, not a lot to say. That's about all I can come up with at this point. I'm just excited for season two, ready for it to be back. So thanks Darnell. Again, we also have a voicemail this week from Steve. Hey, Reem and Sean, it's Steve, and just had a few thoughts to, to share. I don't think Maureen designed the engines. I'm not sure if that's where you're getting at at the end of the last podcast. Um, I think she just designed, like, the shielding of the of the Jupiters because she said there's no engine that can – it'll withstand the speeds, theoretically, but there's no engine that can reach those speeds or something like that. And that's when we figured, found out that they had the engine from the aliens. I think – anyway, I could be wrong – um, hmm. the fight between Maureen and the robot was very, uh, aliens, Ripley like, even to the point of, uh, throwing it out the airlock. Uh, but of course it comes back instead of like an alien and aliens where it just floats away. Um, I'm still not sure what's going on with Dr. Smith. She's still just out for herself. Um, I love that, uh, this was not an episode with John fighting. We've seen John do a lot of fighting. Maureen got to do the fighting. John did the saving this time. So I thought that was kind of, uh, kind of a cool, uh, look. Um, I, I didn't catch it the first time, but when, uh, Will and Penny are by themselves before, uh, mom, uh, Maureen and Dr. Smith come back, they said they snuck off of Hiroki's ship. So they didn't go with Victor and his family. I thought that was interesting. Um, Don's comment about if we just waited a couple hours, we wouldn't be here uh, was pretty good. <laughs> um, Dr. Smith called the, the beeping an annoying noise, just like uh, what the kids had done uh, in the last episode about the whole uh, communicating with, uh, with John. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, Penny's comments about the harpoon, a little over the top, but still, still funny. <laughs> the, the other robot, it looked like it was a different model, maybe. I'm not sure uh, about that. Um, and uh, just really glad that we're going to get a season two. I hope you guys 
uh, are able to cover it as well uh, when it comes out. Looking forward to see what you guys do next. Uh, and uh, I might not be able to send anything in the next week, but I'll see what I can do. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, he's always got some great things to say. Thank you so much for leaving a voice voicemail. Don't forget, folks, you can, um, especially have the the um, Apple phone, iPhone. You've got that cool voice memo app. You can record your message and email that to us. And then that way, if you leave it or if you if you make a message and make a memo, if you don't like it, you can delete it and start over. Um, unlike in the 80s when you had, uh, uh, what were they, the voice voice messages, the... Um, oh, call. oh, shit. What were they called? Oh my god, am I that old? I oh, forgot what they were. Uh, oh geez, what it's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> Answering machine. Answering machine. That was like, whoa, where'd that like word go? Jesus, what <laughs> happened there? I don't think we've been drinking this episode. Maybe that's yeah, the problem. I know. Put down this margarita. Who made me drink this? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like on the old days, whenever. Um, you know, you couldn't change that message on the on the answering machine. Uh, kind of reminds me of that. Have you seen Swingers? Uh, I've seen. Uh, I watched it once, and it took me a little bit to figure it out. So I haven't seen yeah. it like with like eyes of like, oh, okay, this is what this movie is. But yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about reminds me of Swingers in that scene where he keeps calling back and leaving messages on that girl's <laughs> answering machine because he keeps like goofing up and like saying all the wrong things. <laughs> you no worries. You can record as many times as you want and get it just right and email it to us. We love our voicemails, especially if you have an accent. <clears throat> Thank you everyone so much for um, all the great feedback that we've had this season. We're so excited that, um, that you stuck around with us for, um, you know, lost in space and it means a lot. So thanks guys. We truly appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you guys. Appreciate all the feedback. It's really awesome to see the engagement we're getting for the show. Yeah. I'm, we're always excited that we get any engagement at all and that you guys listen to us and care enough and actually take the time because you know, I'm a fan of podcasts and shows and I know what, you know, I understand how, you know, you can be like, Oh, nobody cares about what I have to say, or I just don't have time to leave something, you know, um, it's always appreciated and, um, we appreciate the time. Thanks guys. All right. So next week we uh, had announced what we're going to be recording on Walking Deadcast, and uh, we said we were going to get to the show Dark <laughs> for a second time. But we're going to re- br- we're going to renege on that one more time. <laughs> yeah. So it's been brought to our attention that uh, Castle Rock is coming out in a couple weeks. So it debuts July 25th. So we'll be covering uh, the first episode not next week, but the week after. But to prepare us. For Castle Rock. Next week, we'll be reviewing the trailers for Castle Rock, and we'll also be giving our top three Stephen King book, movies, and TV shows. So we'll get us out of the the space mindset and get us ready for some horror and scariness in a Stephen King-inspired television show. It'll also be our first non-Netflix show that we review. I know. We're venturing outside of the Netflix zone. Do you think we're getting kicked off that that list or anything for <laughs> um, I don't know maybe we'll make another list <laughs> let's make another list yeah let's do that we're gonna venture out a little bit and do something but we're still in the realm of things that we normally cover because if you've listened to us in our other podcasts like Stranger Things Black Mirror we always talk a lot about Stephen King you know mm-hmm. we are both really really big Stephen King fans and he has definitely influenced me in my life Sean I'm sure the same for you 
big fan of his work since I was a kid. So I'm super excited to talk a little bit about um, the awesomeness of uh, Stephen King and then t- uh, talk a little bit about Castle Rock. And we will be coming around to dark, I promise you, um, folks. Uh, so please yeah. don't think that we're, we've forgotten about it. Um, we just would like to cover something current. Yeah, and um, Castle Rock's only four episodes from what I can tell, so uh, yeah. about a month we'll take for Castle Rock, and then we'll jump right into Dark, probably right after that, unless something else crazy comes out. Um, Dark is kind of like that that friend that's always there for you. Uh-huh. You know, we've kind of canceled on him twice. Yeah. So hopefully gonna, we don't have to cancel the third time. Uh, hopefully not, and hopefully they will still return our phone calls uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> after, after we've kind of dumped him twice and <laughs> shaken him and we've ghosted on them a little bit. <laughs> so. <laughs> we we will come back around to it, but yes, Castle Rock was brought to our attention again and to just keep with something current and something that we are both passionate about, and that is Stephen King. And I'm super excited. Castle Rock's getting some really great um like reviews right now, um, the things that have come out so far. So I'm I'm super excited. I hope that you guys will stick around uh for for some of that because I'm excited to talk about it. Okay. I'm only also excited that you have joined us on our journey on the Jupiter 2 while traveling through space. Um, during that time, you can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. And you can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like The Walking Dead Cast at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed and any of the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcasts. And make sure to check out Sean in his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. Yeah, and speaking of podcast, Rima? <gasps> well, speaking of other podcasts, we would love for you to go to, and I mean you, listeners, po- go to podcastawards.com and nominate Language of Bromance for the Podcast Award Comedy Category and Strange indeed for podcast, award, TV, and film category. Yes. So nominations go through the end of the month, so the end of July. So if you could please jump on there, register, and throw a nomination to Strange Indeed. And also, if you're, while you're there, if you could throw one out for my other podcast, Language of Bromance, we would love it if our shows could get on the slate. And that's where we will definitely be hounding you guys for more votes. If you think I haven't put it out on Facebook or tweeted about it already, wait until it's the daily voting happening. <laughs> uh, you guys are going to be like, unfollow, unfollow, unfollow. <laughs> I've already voted twice. Leave me alone. <laughs> or, or don't hit the unfollow. Just if you have to mute me, if, if you're, if you're tired of, of me tweeting and putting all that on Facebook, I can take it. Um, it's and then for a month, it's only for just a little while, you know, just a little bit. And we, we're, we're asking for a little bit more love. You guys give us so much. We're asking for just a tiny bit more. One more little peck on the cheek <laughs> at bedtime. Thank, please and thank you. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 45, A Danger Will Robinson. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Ryan Drogmuller is strange indeed. Awesome.
you did it. I didn't do it. Didn't I? I'll be waiting for you at the hatch. Let's go.